Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. This, I don't know how well that'll work, but it's kind of a, a bonus later in the message. Make sure it's working. Okay, we'll be continuing in Revelation this morning. Um, still in chapter 13. <coughs> Total of 22 chapters. <laughs> Been how many years now? <laughs> and uh, about just over halfway. I'll have to catch up to Steve someday. So we'll start off by reading Revelation 13, verses 11 to 18, focusing on the second half of the chapter this morning. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb. And he spake as a dragon, and he exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him, and causeth the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. And he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men, and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in sight of the beast saying to them that dwell on the earth, that they should make an image to the beast, which had the wound by a sword and did live. And he had the power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell save he that had the mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred, three score, and six. So I'm calling this message the image of the beast and the deception of the beast. So I'm blocking that probably for some of you. That's just an image of a face, and I'll get into why that's there a little later in the message. So, my last message, we talked primarily about the first beast. Now, moving on to the second beast, another beast. Um, the second beast deceives with miracles. It causes men to make an image to the beast, the first beast. This second beast is also known as a false prophet, as found elsewhere in Revelation, such as 19, verse 20. And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image. These were both cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone. In Revelation chapter 20, verse 10, it says, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night, forever and ever. The thing to note uh, when I started off in verse 11 of chapter 13, this beast came up out of the earth and deceives. There's another passage in scripture with deception and something coming up out of the earth, and it's in the Old Testament. Can anyone guess on what passage I'm referring to? This is an extremely advanced quiz. <laughs> 
there's another instance where something's coming up out of the earth and deceives. And it's in the Old Testament. And it's in 1 Samuel. Any the witch. That's right. It's the witch that we're talking about of Endor. And 1 Samuel chapter 28, verses 11 to 14. And it says, Then said the woman, Whom shall I bring up to thee? Unto thee, this is Saul, going to see a witch. In violation of God's law and commands. And he's in rebellion. And he, that being Saul, said, Bring me up Samuel. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried with a loud voice. And the woman spake to Saul, saying, Why hast thou deceived me? For thou art Saul. See, Saul was wearing a hood or something, or not revealing that he was King Saul to this witch at first. And the king said unto her, Be not afraid, for what sawest thou? And the woman said unto Saul, I saw gods ascending out of the earth. And he said unto her, What form is he of? And she said, An old man cometh up, and he is covered with a mantle. And Saul perceived that it was Samuel, and he stooped with his face to the ground and bowed himself. I believe this wasn't actually Samuel. I believe it was an evil spirit imitating Samuel. If it wasn't Samuel, it was an imitation. It is a false Samuel. And what was Samuel's job when he was alive? He was a prophet, that's right. So this, then, was a false prophet. And a further connection to the false prophet in Revelation. I don't believe it was Samuel. Saul perceived it was Samuel. I think it's what is called a familiar spirit. And you might have heard of that term before. And the term is given familiar, familiar spirit is because they're familiar. They're around us all the time. They know they're probably there when Samuel's walking the earth, watching him. They're easily able to imitate him. And they become familiar and can easily deceive. So, yes, we spoke about how the second beast in Revelation is also known as the false prophet. The third entity is this image of the beast. It becomes alive through the power of the false prophet and kills those who won't worship it. And it requires the mark of the beast to buy or to sell. Now, depending on how you read the passage, you could say that it's the false prophet that is requiring this mark of the beast, or it's the image of the beast is doing the enforcement of this requirement to buy or sell, and maybe the false prophet, you could say, is doing it through the image of the beast. So I'm going to be doing a study on the word image in Scripture today. Starting at the very beginning of the Bible, we are made in the image of God. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 27. And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over the earth, all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. 
So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. So in Revelation, we see Satan attempting to mimic God and the creation of this image of the beast. Moving on through scripture, we can see that God forbade us to make graven images. This is the second of the Ten Commandments in Exodus. If you have the right Bible, if you have the King James Bible, it's there. The Bible the Catholics use is not there. Exodus chapter 20, verses 3 to 6. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. That's the first commandment. The second commandment reads, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image, or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. God is greatly offended when man sets up an image and bows himself to it, completely ignoring the creator, creating something themselves, which is a dumb idol, and then bowing themselves down to it. Leviticus chapter 26, verse 1, says, Ye shall make you no idols nor graven image, neither rear you up a standing image, neither shall you set up any image of stone in your land to bow down unto it, for I am the Lord your God. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 23 to 26. And forgive me for, I, like, I, I prefer to let scripture do the talking for me. And I know I'm not giving you time to leaf through passages. You can note them down and study these on your own as well. Deuteronomy 4, verses 23 to 26. Take heed unto yourselves, lest you forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which he made with you, and make you a graven image, or the likeness of anything which the Lord thy God hath forbidden thee. For the Lord thy God is a consuming fire, even a jealous God. When thou shalt beget children, and children's children, and ye shall have remained long in the land, and shall corrupt yourselves, and make a graven image. Notice it says shall. He knew they were going to do it. There was no doubt. Or the likeness of anything, and shall do evil in the sight of the Lord thy God, and to provoke him to anger. I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day that ye shall soon utterly perish from off the land whereunto ye go over Jordan to possess it. Ye shall not prolong your days upon it, but shall utterly be destroyed. And we know, given the history written down, the history we know of Israel, that came to pass. They lost their land for thousands of years. <coughs> Deuteronomy chapter 27, verse 15. Cursed be the man that maketh any graven or molten image, an abomination unto the Lord, the work of the hands of the craftsmen, and putteth it in a secret place. And all the people shall answer and say, Amen. Now all these images and idols had no breath in them. Unlike when God created the first man, Adam, God's breath made Adam a living soul, Genesis 2.7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground 
and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. But men and women have foolishly worshipped dumb idols throughout history in rejection of their true creator. It is still rampant today, despite our modern society, more than we care to admit or notice. Or I think we think it's different today, and it's not the same, but it, it very much is. The Catholic Church's many graven images come to mind, as does Buddhism, Hinduism, Shinto, Japanese religions, various Aboriginal religions, and many more. Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 18 to 20 says, What profiteth the graven image that the maker thereof hath graven it, the molten image, and a teacher of lies, that the maker of his, his work trusteth therein to make dumb idols? Woe unto him that saith to the wood, Awake, to the dumb stone, Arise, it shall teach. Behold, it is laid over with gold and silver. There is no breath at all in the midst of it. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. The Israelites even did it while Moses was still up on Mount Sinai, conversing with God and receiving the Ten Commandments. Exodus chapter 32, verses 1 through 6. And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods, which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what has become of him. And Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, of your sons, and of your daughters, and bring them unto me. And all the people break off the golden earrings, which were in their ears, and brought them unto Aaron. And he received them at their hand, and fashioned it with a graving tool, after he had made it a molten calf. And they said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made proclamation, and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early on the morrow, and offered burnt offerings, and brought peace offerings, and the people sat down to eat and to drink, and rose up to play. Here the Israelites foolishly and erroneously, extremely so, thought that they could assign the image of God to a golden calf. Aaron and the people said, These be thy gods, which brought you up out of Egypt. They're giving credit to this this calf. They, they thought that perhaps God looked like that. And they said, tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. Very wrong. How, but how could they assign a likeness to God? They had not seen God. John 1.18 says, no man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. <coughs> 1 John chapter 4, verse 12. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us. And his love is perfected in us. And we come to Nebuchadnezzar's golden image in the Old Testament. This is a corollary to the image of the beast. It was bow down to this image or be killed. 
And we have the famous story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel chapter 3, verses 16 through 20. I'll just select a short portion of that story. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, he threatened to kill them if they didn't. Our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. We know what happened with that story. The Lord himself was there, present with them in the furnace, and preserved them through it. The men who threw them in were burned to death. They weren't even inside it. It was so hot. But God preserved them. We need to remember that it's better to be to let man judge us than to let God judge us. You know, don't worry, what's the verse? Worry, don't be concerned about who can kill the body. But God is in charge of our eternity and our souls. So worry more about what, what God thinks rather than what man thinks. There is punishment for worshipping the false beast and his image in Revelation, skipping ahead to Revelation 14, verses 9 to 11. And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast in his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. Without mixture meaning, I would say, without dilution. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever, and they have no rest day nor night who worship the beast and his image, and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. So that's a quick overview of the image in Scripture. I want to circle back to earlier in the New Testament, in the Romans. It is spoken of in Romans chapter 1, and I'll read verse 18 through 25. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. This is talking about mankind who know the truth, but reject it, don't believe it, and keep it in unrighteousness. <coughs> Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, 
Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, and to birds, and to four-footed beasts, and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie, and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Jeremiah 51 verse 17 says, Every man is brutish by his knowledge. Every founder is confounded by the graven image, for his molten image is falsehood, and there is no breath in them. So what's unique about the image in Revelation versus all these other images and idols is that this image will be made alive. God allows it to be made alive. That starting to get to what I wanted to show you this morning. Um, and credit to Mike Hoggard, who is a pastor who likes to put YouTube videos up. I like to follow what, what he says. He says some interesting stuff. So this is about the deception that is possible today. And think of the technology we have today that's quickly changing. We have artificial intelligence starting today. We're almost at the cusp of us creating something that seems alive, that isn't alive, through artificial intelligence. This looks like a person. Sure. <laughs> yeah, it looks like Jose. I'll hit refresh. Another person. They look like average people, right? I'll try again. Looks like a funny looking child a little bit. <laughs> like a typical guy. Notice the website's called This Person Does Not Exist. .com. Every one of these images is generated by artificial intelligence. These people have never existed. They're not real. What the computers can do today, we feed it thousands or millions of photos. And it's not like, you know, we've had for the past few decades where you could splice photos together. This is not that. You're giving it a bunch of what people look like and it's starting to know what people look like. Make one up now that you know their characteristics, what they might possibly look like. Just throw one together. It's created by what's called a generative adversarial network. And I don't know the details of that, but I gather that what it's doing is it's, it's got competing logic against one another. And it's like, here's the first idea. What's wrong with it? And they compete each little detail, different uh, versions of it. And it competes together, picking the best of each aspect of the image and then comes up with the final one that's the best of what its initial couple thoughts were, or a few thoughts were. Very interesting and scary. 
looks very like a real photo. If you look carefully on it, maybe on your own time, there's sometimes little flaws. So it's not quite perfect yet. And usually they'll be up at the corner of the image or something like that, or down with their hands or something. But it's getting extremely realistic. Um, we already see computer graphics in movies all the time. They're already uh, creating images of actors who've passed away and wanting them to continue the story so they computer generate them to finish off the movie series or whatever the case may be. Another uh, very interesting thing is, let's see if I can look this up. So there's this, there's this AI text generator now where you can give it the first paragraph of whatever you want to talk about, Brexit or, I don't know, pollution, whatever you want. And you kind of give it a flavor of your point of view in your sentence or two, and then it can write a whole article about it with quotes from people that don't exist, <laughs> that never happened, and it looks real. So they can create a whole narrative that's out of thin air. And the ability is, is disturbing, and it's changing very quickly. So what we're asking the computers basically to do is to lie to us, but not just lie so we know it's a lie. Lie so well that we believe you because we want to suspend our belief. Isn't that odd? We're teaching it to lie and to actually lie better than we can. And they can also make music that was actually never created by people. They can make portraits now. And this is very quickly changing. And they're already giving talks at the City of Guelph Management about artificial intelligence coming and to try to be ready for it to, because it's quickly going to change society. It's, uh, it's crazy. But these advancements are happening. It cannot be stopped. There's no going back. You can pause it. You might delay. Like they're actually restricting release of this full text because they feel it's dangerous. That, that false news will be able to put out well, it's already lots of false news. He's been doing that. For <laughs> I know, years. but now they can get a, yeah. even more. So, but it will come. We've trained computers to beat us at checkers, at chess, at the Japanese game Go, at Jeopardy, at war simulations, at complicated video games, teaching it to be good at lying and waging war. <laughs> what are we building? What a god we are making in our image. A false god. But I think God is the right term. Think about it. Where do we go for our answers now? We go to Google and we go to our computers. When 100 years ago, we might have prayed. Think about that. Mankind is already there. We're already praying to computers. They can create false history out of thin air. 
they could give you some documentary about something that happened in the 60s. And if we weren't around, we might believe it completely. Or something that was, that was obscured and wasn't brought out to everyone before. So, oh, that's interesting. I believe it completely. And I already talked about actors. They're, being, they're concerned that they're going to be replaced. I bet somebody's already, some director's already got it in his head. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make an AI actor, make one of the actors in my movie an AI, and I won't even write this one's lines. I'll just give them what people are saying to it and see what comes out. I bet you they're going to do that. So uh, getting back to scripture, um, God is in control. God will make all things right. You can look at the image of the kingdoms of man throughout history, found in Daniel chapter 2, and I'll read verses 31 to 35. Thou, O king, sawest, and behold, a great image, this great image, whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. The image's head was of fine gold, his breast and his arms of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass, his legs of iron, his feet part of iron and part of clay. Thou sawest till that a stone was cut without hands, which smote the image upon his feet, that were of iron and clay, and brake them to pieces. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold broken to pieces together and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors, and the wind carried them away, that no place was found for them, and the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. The Lord will destroy the image, representing all the most powerful kingdoms of mankind under Satan's control. He is that stone cut without hands." We are to stand against deception. We have the truth in our hands. This is the only reliable truth we have. I had someone criticize me once for not trusting other people enough compared to the Bible. And while they could tell the truth, they could also lie. But I know that this won't lie to me. We are to stand against deception. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 Verses 1 through 12. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto him. He's coming soon. We're going to be gathered unto him. That's talking about the rapture. That ye soon be soon not be ye not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word, nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you. By any means, for that day shall not come, except there coming, come a falling way first, and that the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that, when I was yet with you, I told you these things? And now ye know that what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of, the, of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness 
and them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth. That is the difference. Do you love the truth? Do you believe God? That they might be saved, and for this cause God shall send them strong delusion, that they should believe a lie. That they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Which, what's more important to you, the truth or pleasure? What can you trust today? What remains reliable? Do you love the truth? Second Thessalonians 2, verse 13 to 17, continuing on in that same passage. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. Whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle, the word of God. Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. And I threw in from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, For we walk by faith, not by sight. Even what we can see today can be faked. Everything can be faked now. The technology is there. Are you going to believe the world? Are you going to believe the devils and evil spirits putting on this show for the world? Are you going to believe the media, the internet, the majority opinion? Or are you going to believe God? That's the ultimate question. Romans 10, verse 9 and 10. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto, run, unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. There is deception everywhere today. 1 John chapter 4, verse 3, it says, And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God, and this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past, oh, sorry, this is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, I've jumped to, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Truth and error is literally life and death, eternal life and death. Rely on the truth of God's word, which we still have, because God has preserved it for us to this day. Psalm 119, 160, Thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. And Jesus prayed in John chapter 17, verse 17, he said, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Hold on to the truth. Hold on to the truth. Believe God and he will do the rest. We just, that's all God asks from us, is to believe him and it angers him when we don't. 
because he loves us. He's done all this for us. He's given us this, everything he wants to say to us right here in his word. Luke, would you close in prayer for us? Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this time that we can spend in your word, Lord. And we thank you for this most sobering message brought to you, brought to us by your servant, Matt. Father, we just pray that you would help us keep our account short with you, Lord. To keep us in your word, Father. To spend time reading your word, Lord, the true and untampered word of the Bible, Father. That we would trust these truths that we find in your word. Father, help us to not be deceived. We know, Lord, that we are fallible and imperfect. We rely on you, Father, for our spiritual needs and for the for the for the true truth, Lord. We just pray that you would help us to be strong. And Lord, just to trust in our Lord Jesus profess that Jesus is in fact the living Son of God and our true Savior. And the only way to eternal life and salvation. Father, we thank you for this time. We pray in Jesus' name, Lord. Amen. Amen.